This is John Zaninovich. Welcome to Move My Mass. You'll be hearing from great guests talk about balancing life and being fit. Welcome to another episode of Move My Mass. Looking forward to today's guest. Uh, we're going to talk football. He has made it to the top, played in the NFL had his time there and now is coaching young kids here in Bakersfield uh, as part of Ferguson Athletics. Can't wait to talk some football today. So all you football players tune in and especially you quarterbacks. Tyler, welcome to Move My Mass. Yeah, thanks for having me. Can't wait to chat with you today. No, absolutely. I'm excited. I don't know much about football, but we're going to get into it. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's best sport in the world. So. There you go. So, Making it to the NFL, which is absolutely amazing. When did you first know as a kid or where in your life did you know that you had something special and that was going to be a possibility? Um, I don't think I ever really thought like, wow, I have something, you know, inside of me that's better than everybody else. I just probably was pretty naive to maybe how hard it was and, you know, would always just talk to my dad. I, I don't really young even like elementary school uh, that like, yeah, you know, we're definitely going to go play varsity football and we're going to go play division one football. And then we're going to go to the NFL. You know, there was no, yeah. I hope I do this. I hope I do that. I just thought like, this is what's going to happen and this is what we're going to do. And it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, um, you know, my dad's like favorite line to me that I'll always remember. He would always say, look, someone has to go to the NFL. Right. So why can't it be you? And I would just kind of think about that. Like, yeah, he's right. Like, you know, it's not like they're just pulling NFL guys from Mars, you know, That's, that is great support. So I always just say that to you. Yeah. I always just thought like, yeah, you know, why not? You know, let's just play football and it's fun. And I didn't think about everything that had to happen. I just thought like, you know, go play high school and get a scholarship and then get drafted and call it yeah. a day. Yeah. So, so at, along that, along that process, once you got closer to knowing those dreams or even before the NFL, let's say, as you know, man, I'm going to go D1. Was there a point where your workout started to change or your work ethic started to change or were you always, what was your work ethic? Was it always crazy? Yeah. Or did you say, oh my gosh, okay, this is going to turn into something big. I'm going to kick it up a notch. Which, which direction did you go with your workouts? No. Yeah. So I actually, um, I do the same workout I do the same workout program I do now is the same thing I did when I was playing so I didn't really work out a whole lot you know early like when I was really young um and then I don't know maybe like 15 16 uh I started working out at 4 a.m at 24 hour fitness on Gosford there you go and did that every day like seven days a week yeah and then the years just turned into years and then it became like not obsessive, but it just wasn't weird anymore. You know, like people started to know like, well, Tyler just wakes up at three and goes and works out. And yeah. You know what I mean? And that just never changed. So I did that through, you know, the second half of high school. I did that through college. I did that in the NFL and I did that this morning, but now right. it's just, you know, there's no 
24 hour fitness on Gosford anymore. You know, now it's, you know, we, we have a gym at the house that we use, but, um, yeah, nothing really crazy, nothing going down here, going there, flying here. I mean, it was just wake up at three, leave the house at three twenty, get to the gym at three thirty, three thirty-five, and yeah, at three fifty exactly, the workout starts. And yeah, we did that for years and years, you know. And back then, what was your split i mean okay so you got your weight training your conditioning yeah and you have your skills training Mm -hmm. did that did that change much um not really so you know i had a trainer um uh pat brown he's in but he's still in bakersfield right i know pat yeah and really it wasn't necessarily uh like we didn't make these crazy workout programs and do all that you know me and him were more so just like workout partners so I would just get there and we kind of knew what we were going to work out every day. You know, like I knew Wednesdays and Sundays were leg days and Sunday was brutal leg day. And Pat kind of taught me like Sunday starts your week. Monday doesn't start your week. You don't take a lazy Sunday and not do anything and then try to get up and go Monday. And I, I like that. I, so Sunday was like our Monday and we mm-hmm. would just do a brutal lower body workout. Um, and yeah, I just like really trusted him. And then, you know, kind of as I started to move away out of Bakersfield, um, I would kind of keep the same style of training that we would do. You know, we would do just a ton of circuit training, but heavy weights, um, you know, basic movements, nothing crazy, but maybe high reps as heavy as you can go supersetting with two or three different things, you know, right or wrong. That's what I liked and what's worked for me and still what I do now. And then yeah. as far as on the field stuff, you know, I never had a quarterback coach. I just threw, you know, I probably threw 5 million balls in the front yard with my dad just after school, before school. We'd go to the park and train. We'd go to the high school and train. But it was throwing-wise, just me and my dad. That was it. Yeah. We would just throw. Right. And it was as simple as this feels off. Why does this feel off? I don't know. Let's tinker with it. You know, it wasn't like this is exactly how you do it. You didn't this. have video no, we were just watching yourself. Yeah. So, you know, we would throw probably like twice a day, but it was, you know, we didn't go see somebody. We didn't do this. And, um, not cause we didn't want to, there just wasn't anybody in Bakersfield. You know, if you wanted to go do something, it was in LA. Well, you know, that's a two hour drive and a two hour session and two hours back. And, um, so yeah, that was, we were pretty close knit group, you know, it was simple. It was easy. You know, right. you wake up early, get your work in. And then you throw, um, you know, you, it is simple, but however you did it yeah. and that's the not simple part. And that's the difference yeah. between getting there and not getting there. Is it? it? Um, yeah, it is. All, all I do is wake up and go work out. Yeah. Okay. Now to the person that's not doing that, well, you did get up and go work out. Right. Yeah. And yeah, you know, that's we, hard. That is. I don't know if it's unteachable, but that's the, that's the part somebody needs to do. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, we would always invite people um, like to come work out with us in the morning and, you know, you'd get someone that'd come for like a week or like a day, mm-hmm. maybe a month, mm-hmm. but nobody would ever kind of stay. And I don't know. I didn't think of it as anything other than like, this is just what you do. You know, right. I can't go at six because I have school at seven. Yeah. But I can't go after school because I have practice. I'm for sure not going to go at night. Um, and, you know, one thing 
that I always thought was like at 4 a.m., nobody has anything to do. No phone calls. If you have kids, they're probably asleep. Your wife's asleep. You for sure don't have to be in your office at four, right? So that was kind of what I thought about was I don't have any other obligations, right, at right. four. Right. So if I can just get up and go, I can go. And now, I mean, yeah, now nothing changes. I mean, I for sure don't have time between 5.30 a.m. and usually about 8 p.m. to work out. And I'm not going to come home at eight and be like, sorry, babe, got to go work out. Right. <laughs> so it's yeah. the same thing. You know, you want to work out, get up, go be done by five. Yeah. And I would love for all the young athletes of any sport to, mm-hmm. you know, really hear what you're saying. Yeah. It's consistency, discipline. Doesn't matter. You know, maybe somebody right. has, maybe somebody has the time at two in the afternoon. It's not that mm-hmm. it's not the fact that it's a, getting up at four or three that's making it's just whatever time that is go get it done for sure and do it consistently yeah do it over the long haul and that is strong advice for young athletes of yeah i mean i think sport i think you just need to make a schedule you know i'm a big i write everything out on like just a notebook even to today like when we do our scheduling for quarterbacks everything's written out when i'm scheduling whatever i'm going to be doing uh but I think the first step, you know, it's really hard to just cold turkey, start waking up at three and working out. It's probably, you know, it's not going to last. So if you can just make consistent times to do something, right? that's the first step. You know what I mean? Um, and then I think people would be amazed at like kind of how that builds and builds and builds and builds. And you look back a, a year after you've started and you're like, wow, I didn't realize everything I got done. Yeah. And what... It- at what point in your college career did you know I'm probably going to the big leagues? Was there was there a, a moment or was it gradual over time? No, so actually like my college career was horrible. <laughs> so like it couldn't have probably couldn't have went any worse. And like I think we're finally getting to a point where like we can kind of like joke about it. But it was really bad. So I so coming out of Ridgeview had no offers, nothing. Um and I thought for sure, like out of coming out, I didn't, I didn't think that I was probably going to go to like Alabama or something, but I thought, you know, like a Fresno or um, like a Washington, like a school like that, that we'd been talking to, like, well, someone's going to pull the trigger, like whoever does, I'll just commit there. And that's where we yeah. go. Yeah. Well, nothing really happened. And then like halfway through my senior year, I actually broke my collarbone, which was a very easy injury to recover from. I mean, I had a surgery, but you know, uh, Kurt Wingate had me back in like, literally like three weeks throwing. Wow. Um, so I didn't think like, wow, this is going to alter my recruiting because there really wasn't a recruiting to alter. You know what I mean? Right. So senior year came and went, um, and I ended up going to college in Sequoia, which was, um, in Visalia. Mm -hmm. And I was like the best decision in my whole life I've ever made. I went there, um, had full support, you know, from, from the head coach, um, and I tell kids a lot now that junior colleges can be your best friend, but you have to go somewhere where you're wanted. You have to be the guy. Like, you don't once you're at junior college, your time is ticking, right? Like, I don't have time to go here, sit, get beat out in a competition, transfer to another one because it's you're done. Like, you have that one season after your high school season to do something. And you better be the man. You better be the guy. Yeah. So if that means you have to go to the worst school in the country to be the guy, do it. But... I went to COS, um, 
and I don't really remember how that whole thing transpired. I just kind of, my dad and I got a call from the coach. We drove up there and both kind of agreed up there that this is what we're going to do. And so I went there and yeah, it was great, you know, put up huge numbers and did the whole deal and got offers all over the place. And so high school is kind of irrelevant at that point. Cause it's like, well, I'm here, right. I'm back on the path that I thought I was going to be on. And so I ended up committing to Penn state with Bill O'Brien and um, man. So yeah, that year, that first year at Penn state, I ended up losing the quarterback competition. So I, so I came in the number two quarterback, uh, number two player in the country for a junior college. Well, we had the number one high school player in the country come in at quarterback as well. His name was Christian Hackenberg and Christian was really good. Um, there wasn't like a lot of guys at that point in my career that I'd been around that I thought like, wow, this guy's good. You know, I always thought like I could throw with anybody. And he was somebody that I remember like our first day of, I got there in spring, he came in fall. So I had a little leg up and he came in fall and I like called my dad and was like, dad, this guy's legit. Yeah. <laughs> like this yeah. guy is really good. Um, so yeah, I mean, basically as simple as this, I, I lost the quarterback competition that was very close. Um, and even at that point, I really didn't have any intentions of transferring. Um, Coach O'Brien and I had gotten close. We had a unique relationship and he was teaching us, you know, an NFL playbook every single day. That was his big selling point recruiting was, look, you're going to learn the Patriots offense. I'm okay. a former Patriots offense coordinator. And we did like to a T. It was extremely complex. And um, but that was the whole reason I went there. Right. So after the season, though, Coach Brian goes to Houston to coach the Texans. Well, we get a new coach who comes in and, you know, anytime a new coach comes in, they kind of like to clean house, get their guys in. You know, it's pretty much as simple as that. Like, you don't fit my system. Oh, okay. This kid does. Not asking you to leave, but I'm asking you to leave. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I ended up leaving and, you know, we were looking at a couple schools and ended up settling with the University of Louisville. And they were just coming off like Sugar Bowl when Teddy Bridgewater had just left. There was an opening, right? So I had to sit out my year due to transfer rules and that was no big deal. And so kind of like pretty soon after I'm eligible, right, from sitting out, they're like, hey, you're going to be our guy. And that, and I kind of knew that. It wasn't like a surprise. It, you know, my sit out year and going into that was, uh, it was really good. You know, mm -hmm. so everyone kind of knew like once Tyler's ready, he's going to take over. And we had a very decent year of the year that I sat out. Well, in this next recruiting class comes in somebody named Lamar Jackson. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, well, Jesus Christ, like <laughs> this is horrible. Right. <laughs> so Lamar comes in and it's like instantly just like, boom, offense is shifting, culture's changing. This is who we're going with. You know, um, Bobby Petrino was our head coach there. And he was another guy that ran a very pro style offense, big five steps, seven step drops, driving the ball downfield. And that just fit me perfectly, you know? Um, so Lamar comes in and a whole shift in everything we did offensively, which was pretty much just like polar opposite of what I was good at. Right. So now I kind of am thinking, okay, now this is what your sophomore year now. This is year? my junior year. Okay. So I'm thinking, all right, you know, as a quarterback, you never want to transfer. It's a red flag, but I'm what do I leave again? Do I just declare Yeah. what, you know, where yeah. this is weird. Right. And 
so yeah, you know, my dad and I, I, I mean, we talked probably every day, just like that. Look, I just spent two years here at Louisville and you know, this guy is about to win the Heisman, you know, but I'm not in that realm of being a normal backup quarterback of someone that doesn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I was like, I, I need to play. So right. anyway, so I really didn't know what to do. And I was actually golfing in Louisville um, and ran into the head coach of Western Kentucky, yeah. who was from Louisville. Um, and he was like, hey, come here. He's like, come play. So, you know, Western Kentucky was actually there in the Conference USA and they were coming off of their first top 25 finish ever. And so we went there and I did my senior year there and we had a good time. We won a conference championship, but I, I knew going into the draft, I said, okay, zero chance I'm getting drafted. Like no chance because I've not only transferred once, now I've transferred twice. So the first time is, okay, new coach comes in, you know, we get it. Second time is you might be the issue. Right. Yeah. You have a character problem. Is there something that you're doing that you can't buy into one program, but now you can't buy into two programs. Right. So you start to, people don't quite feel sorry for you anymore. Like, look, you had one chance. Now you have two chances. Yeah. Right. So the Titans actually started doing kind of, I don't know, they came in and did a pre-draft workout for me in uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky, which is where Western Kentucky is. And then each team gets, I, I don't know exactly the number, maybe around 30, but a number of visits they can use to bring players into their facility, right? To okay. work them out and put them on the board and talk to the GM and everybody. So those visits are kind of special, right? Because they get only a certain amount. Yeah. Well, they use one of those visits on me. So I'm thinking, okay, we will probably get a, uh, an, you know, a free agent deal here from them, you know, whether it's small or big, whatever. They'll probably at least invite us to camp. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so then I had, you know, the last part of your, your whole pre-draft process is pro day, right? So I go to pro day and just absolutely tear it up. It was like one of the best days throwing I'd ever had. And so we ended up leaving pro day and my agent's like, Hey, you're probably going to get, you know, six or seven offers here after the seventh round. So the draft comes and goes and, um, Tennessee actually called my agent, like at the start of the seventh round and just stayed on the phone with them for the whole seventh round because they can technically sign you as soon as that last pick is submitted, but okay. they, they can't negotiate a contract with you. Like, Hey, we don't want to draft you with this pick, but you know what I mean? So they have, right, to, they have right. to wait. So we did. Sense. Yeah. So that we waited and I developed a relationship with them. And, um, so I ended up signing with them. Uh, but yeah, that was probably, yeah, I mean, just to answer your like original question, there was the the moment was more like I got to college and thought, okay, I can become a first round pick or second round pick. Like I know I can do it. Right. And then I just slowly saw it just like literally going like, okay, I could probably still sneak in the third round. Like, all right, if I can sneak in the fifth round, right? And then it was yeah. like, all right, I just need to get signed. Right. Just I, somewhere. Yeah, because like every year it just got worse and worse and worse. And it just Literally, by the end of it, going into pro day, I'm like, I hope the CFL would take me at this point, right? So it was, uh, yeah, it just sucked. Like, college was horrible, <laughs> you know? I yeah. hated it. Um, I didn't hate the, the, I loved being on the teams and competing, but just the end result of everything was just like, man, that, that was, I don't think we could have scripted that to go worse. And, right. you know, it goes so fast, too. Yeah, yeah. And then you start thinking about stuff you could have done different and stuff you think you did right and you didn't do right. And should I have just stayed? Should I have never left? And But, 
you know, once I finally signed and I was in Tennessee and then I made the team, you just, that stuff doesn't matter. So that's an amazing story. Your, your, your trail to the NFL isn't what most kids probably think it's going to be like, okay, I was, I was a starter in high school where I let it up, which I mean, you did, of course, but then you go to college and every single year is just perfect. Mm -hmm. Oh, I broke another school record and yeah. Yards per throw or most yards per year, most touchdown, right. whatever. And then essentially, yeah, you're, not everybody's the Lamar, Lamar Jackson route. Right. And it's got to be inspiring for young kids to say, you know what? I can take the unconventional, mm-hmm. just work my ass off route. Things can go wrong. Things may not work out, but I can still make it. Yeah. Make it to the, to the show. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know. Very few guys um you know just like they show up and start for four years in college and like you said break the records and um i mean it obviously happens but and those are the ones you see because everybody's watching draft day yeah so those guys going on the first second yeah i don't know how but the guys you watch get drafted those that's the route they probably took well i i remember you know like kind of the first couple weeks in tennessee my rookie year you you start to realize like okay i don't know and i've like definitely think I'm a football junkie, right? Like I could tell you, I would think so. I could tell you where every quarterback went to college from <laughs> 1980 till today. Right. And yeah, it's like, yeah. I got in the locker room and I'm like, I don't know who half of these people are. Right. And you start to realize like, well, this guy is a defensive tackle who went to South Alabama and is a 15 year NFL vet. And this guy went to West Connecticut state and is a safety and he's going on year nine. Well, this guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you start to realize, like, where's all the guys from USC and Michigan and Notre Dame and Alabama, right? And they're there, right? But yeah. the, the NFL is made up of, like, those fifth, sixth, seventh free agent guys that got no glory, no fame, made their way up, right? And have just stuck out and made these great careers. Um, and, you know, obviously, like, for quarterbacks and it's a little bit different. You know, you get your Tony Romo's and your guys that come out of nowhere, but the majority of your yeah. team is made up of just like guys that just got it out of the dirt and, you know, came from somewhere in Northwestern state and made yeah. it, you know, and I thought that was interesting, you know? Uh, yeah. So I want to go back to your Penn state experience. You mentioned that the coach there had a pro yeah. pro offense. Mm-hmm. And that was the, that was the draw. Is there, is there a, uh, a balance between your physical ability and your ability to know the, be able to learn an offense? Yeah, for sure. Free defense. What's the split? Is it even or because yeah. I'm assuming by the time you get to that level, everybody's physically good. Yeah. So everybody like, can throw the ball a mile or. Right. Yeah. So like in college, you know, the recruiters want the guys that are big and have the cannons for an arm or that are fast and they don't really do too much digging into like how intellectual you are and how, what are your study habits and what are your party habits and what's your home life like? And they're just like, Oh, you're six, five and you can throw it 50 yards. Yeah. Come on. We'll take it. And they miss a lot of guys. Like if you go and look at uh, all of these guys that are five star, four star guys, you know, maybe two of those guys get drafted. But then if you look at every draft class, these three-star, two-star guys, um, you know, that, that are going to smaller schools, but that aren't getting the powerhouse offers, 
those guys end up making it. And it's because, well, maybe this guy's not six, six, but he's six, one, but he has phenomenal study habits. He's a yeah. film junkie and he knows more about this offense than the quarterback coach does. Those are the guys that make it. You know, if you look at in the NFL, um, all of these backup quarterbacks that have played like 14, 15 years, really, like if you saw them throw, you'd be pretty unimpressed. You'd be like, okay, really? Okay. But they know more about every single defensive coordinator's defense and who's where. And well, this guy was a linebacker coach in Baltimore and now he's a defensive coordinator in Indy. And when my second year we played against him, they did this. And, you know, they're just another extension of the coaching staff that's usually there to help your star quarterback. Yeah. Right. So like, I believe in Kansas city, Chad Henney is the backup to Patrick Mahomes. Well, right. Patrick Mahomes is amazing. Right. But they have Chad Henney, who's like a 16 year vet who, you know, had his time, but I'm sure there's more talented guys than him that could be in that role. But Chad Henney probably knows more about defenses and quarterback play and little things that he can tell Patrick on a day-to-day basis in the quarterback room than some six, four, 240 pound quarterback from this college that can throw it 80 yards could do. Right. You know what I mean? Totally, so yeah. in that, in that role of comfort and security uh, in the backup role in the NFL, that's what they want, you know? Um, and I, that, I mean, that's what you should want, you know, yeah. you, you, you kind of experiment right with guys, um, you know, you see some of these first round picks when they're being busts, like they're, they're six, six and, they, you know, they can do anything they want with the arm, but if you miss like the mental side of things, right, you're going to bust, you're going to hit a bust all day. Right. So those are the guys that really succeed. And then, then the guys that have both, those are your superstars, you know, yeah. like everybody has one or the other, but if you are really smart, but not talented, there's a spot for you. Yeah. If you're really talented, but you're not very smart, there's not a spot for you. But if you have both, yeah, that's, that's who's going to be. That's who's going to rise. Mm-hmm. And maybe it all takes hard work. Yeah. All takes consistent work. Absolutely. Uh, and that's what people just have to know. Like, yeah, I'm physically talented. And yes, I am. My football IQ is high. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure a lot of people have more of it naturally than others. Yeah. But it's still that level. You're working your ass off to get there. Yeah. But how big of a difference is the game between D1 and NFL, how much faster is it? How much were you like, holy crap, everything's a lot. Was it a significant difference or are you you just working your way into it so long that it's not a big leap? Yeah, I think it's different based off of uh, what role you come into. So like if you come in as a first round pick and day one, you're with the ones versus the ones and you Uh, have, you know, the pressure of being the first overall or a top two round pick. I'm talking from a quarterback's perspective. Right. It's probably pretty fast. Um, you know, me coming in as an undrafted guy that fortunately had learned two NFL systems in college. Uh, and I knew how to call a 15 word play in the huddle. And I knew how to check versus, you know, one high or two high or can a run versus an over and an under front. Like that stuff to me was super easy because I just learned that from coach O'Brien for two years. Right. And then on top of that, I'm running with the threes in practice. So it's not, I'm not going against NFL veterans. I'm going against other undrafted players. Right. Right. So to me, the speed was very easy and normal and almost in a way 
kind of easier than college because I was the type of quarterback that give me all the information you can give me. You want to give me a 16 word play that has two kills and one check, please let me have it because then I can have no problem getting us in the right play and doing stuff. Whereas in college, you give me one signal and it's like an air raid offense and I'm up there just clapping. Right. I kind of struggled with that a little bit. Okay. So being coming in, running with the threes and the other undrafted guys and the low round pick guys. No, there's not a huge change coming in day one and instantly going with the ones. Yeah. That's a, that's a bit of a difference, you know? Um, and yeah, you know, they're just faster, but, but really the thing is, is what they show you on a defensive uh, side of the ball, you know, like let's say in college, you can get 20 different looks and that might be pushing it. Let's say 10. Well, then you get to the NFL and they can give you 40 different looks, Yeah, but you have to have an answer for all 40. Yeah. You, at least you have to know, somewhat where to go with the ball. You don't have to have an answer, but you got to know, I think it's this. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. if I'm wrong, where's the ball going? If I'm right, where's the ball going? Right. You know? Right. So yeah, I think, you know, I, I might have a completely different perception on it if I came in day one and they were like, you're with the ones. See ya. So you, you enjoying, you enjoying the intellectual part of the game, the complex plays, learning the defenses. Is that, to move on to what you're doing now, Ferguson Athletics yeah. and coaching these young quarterbacks. Is that what drew you? Is that what made you want to, like, I want to go instill what I enjoy about the game and, and the, mm-hmm. the intelligence part of it, obviously along with the physical part of it. Yeah. Is that what made you want to go into what you're doing now? Yeah. Well, you know, I think first, and like, there really wasn't um, really anybody doing it in the Valley. You know, uh, I mean, Roger Carr has been doing it for a long time and I love Roger, but there wasn't like, I just remember all the big quarterbacks always going down South, like always going down South. And I was like, mm-hmm. why can't there be a guy that all the big guys stay and then the Fresno guys come and maybe the Santa Maria guys come, you know what I mean? Like kind yeah. of that two and a half hour radius. Why can't they come here? Yeah. Why do we all have to go down South? So I was like the original thinking behind it. And then you know, I got like a, a communications degree, right? But okay. school was like definitely not a priority in college, right or wrong. Just call it how it is. It wasn't. It right. was football or nothing. Understood. So you had a goal. You're going in the NFL. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of felt like, all right, well, I have like this PhD in quarterback play, right? Like I've learned from some really great coaches, you know, I've experienced every level. I've actually gotten to experience a couple seasons in the NFL. So I kind of felt like I know at least what is meaningful to teach kids. And then the stuff that maybe does get taught, that just means nothing, you know? Um, yeah. So like we, we came back to town like right after my third year and kind of started it up. And I, now I didn't think it was going to turn into kind of what it is now. I mm-hmm. thought I probably might have to do something else, you know, yeah. find a job or who knows. Right. But yeah. I just kind of started picking up and then, you know, I just put like 1000% effort into it. And, you know, we, we train seven days a week and, you know, our scheduling book is from 4am to 10pm. So, if, you know, I try to revolve around the parents' schedules, around the kids' schedules, around your daughter's swim lesson schedules or whatever. Right. But I wanted to make sure that like, if you want to train, I will get you in. I'm not just going to do Tuesdays and Thursdays at six. And so that kind of opened it up and that got the ball rolling a little bit more. 
Um, and then, yeah, I just like fell in love with it instantly. Um, and yeah, just love it. You know, yeah. love, love working with quarterbacks. You know, we kind of do two different things. So I do field work wise, just strictly really quarterbacks. And then we do weight room training. Um, that's not necessarily marketed as much. That's more of kind of like a, um, you know, if people come to us and ask for a certain thing mm-hmm. in the weight room, we'll do that. We don't really market like the weight room stuff. Um, so yeah, but I mean, on a day-to-day basis, you know, we're see a lot of quarterbacks and, um, you know, a couple of kids come in and do weight room stuff, but it's, uh, it's, it's fun. It's, it's a lot, but yeah, I saw one of your posts about yourself, mm-hmm. you know, you reflected and you said, man, looking back, I wish I would have taking constructive criticism a little better for sure uh i think you mentioned you know just the work ethic that it takes mm-hmm. and I, if i remember right you said if you want to go down this road you can't live a regular life yeah you've got to go down the, you just have to go and saying that so right it's this is a fun interview because it's not where i'm at in my, mm-hmm. with, with my mass it's you know, I'm at my age now. I'm like, hey, I want to, I want to just have fun and right. get, and stay fit and do all right. this and that. But people have to understand if there's, a, if you're going to go do what you want to do, mm-hmm. whether pro or anything or high level of anything, even business, you have to, you have to go down that road of just all in. Yeah, for sure. And I remember your post and it just struck hard. Yeah, I was like extremely. Um, you know, I guess like the easiest way to say it is I got, you know, coaches would be like, you're just so uncoachable. You're so uncoachable. But I was so just like into it. Right. And so I wanted to do things my way, but then I wanted to prove that my way was right. Right. Which like, you can't do that. Right. Yeah. Like you just, yeah. that's not going to work. You know, I think in like in business, if you're trying to work your way up or playing quarterback or whatever you're doing, like you have a coach for a reason. So in your 18 year old brain, if you think that I have a better way to do this, well, you probably don't, you know? Yeah. And I, and I didn't really realize that until kind of like my senior year in college when it was like, dude, you're at your second school in two years and whoever the heck came in, yeah, you know, and one Heisman or did this at the end of the day, they wouldn't have went out and got those guys if they were 100% sold on you. Right. Right. And so I just kind of had to think like, what am I doing? That's what am I doing? That's rubbing people the wrong way. So like I lived and died by just having a cannon for an arm. So to me, I would learn a system very quickly Mm -hmm. and I could have conversations with our coaches all day about this front or this coverage, or I like this and I like that. And it was great. But then when it came down to, Hey, I want you to read it this way. Boom, boom, boom. I would be like, cool. Well, I'm going to read it this way because I can make this throw and he can't. Right. Well, coaches hate that. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, this is yeah. my system. I designed it this way. Would you please just follow Just yours? run it this way, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I would just constantly go back and forth with coaches because then I would make a throw that was the wrong read. I think I had a coach at Louisville who said, uh, Tyler's like the closest player to Brett Favre I've ever been around for all the wrong reasons. He goes, he makes throws that when we watch film, we go, holy crap, that's amazing. But then when we grade him, we'll give him, you know, 
a check mark for the throw, but then a minus for the read, a minus for the execution, and a minus for you know where the ball was supposed to go. Yeah. So it's like, hey, nice first down, but tone it down a little bit. Please don't do that. But yeah. I could never catch on with that. I would just be like, well, you see what I'm doing here, right? Like this is right. You know. So I it's just, almost like if you could go back and correct me if I'm wrong, but okay, I've got amazing talent. Mm-hmm. The, the heroics are going to come when they naturally come instead right. of trying to prove it on every play. Like, wait, yeah. watch me make this throw. Yeah. Watch me. Yeah. Ooh. Watch me do this. And, you know, I don't really know where this came from, um, but I like hated the mold of what a quarterback was like supposed to be mm-hmm. like clean cut, kind of like a, you know, maybe like a country club type of vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Hated yeah. it. Yeah. Like I wanted, you know, long hair and have tattoos and, uh-huh. To be like, this is who I am, but I'm also the best quarterback you got, right? And like, that just doesn't work, you know, because there's another kid out there that's probably just good or better than you. That is how a coach wants his quarterback to be perceived. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was like, that was probably one of the biggest things for me is like, look, you can be you're an original version of yourself and you can do kind of what you want to do, but you have to do it within the confinements of your team and your coach. If you guys are traveling and everyone's supposed to wear great jumpsuits, don't show up in a black one. Right. Right. Or right. if coach says, Hey, no beards, cut your beard. Or I'd like you to wear some sleeves to cover up your tattoos on media day in front of the whole country. Yeah. Don't show up with a cutoff on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was just little things like that, that I would do that. I didn't realize or I did realize, but I never changed until, you know, I was a little bit older, but that just like crushed me, you know, that, yeah. that is more so what I think back on of just like, what an idiot, like, why couldn't but, you just buy in? Man, that's that. I, and I appreciate that self-reflection. That is, that's a lot to admit to and say, Hey, this is what I should have done. Yeah. It was, yeah, those are biggies and I guarantee guys you're coaching are benefiting from that. I guarantee it. Yeah. I mean, I try to talk to a lot of, you know, and, and a lot of these quarterbacks, uh, you know, I get really close with and some, you know, closer than others. And, you know, some are like family to me, you know? Uh, and I try to tell them, you know, not in like a, um, structured way, just like an organic, like, look, I, you know, be yourself and, <laughs> have your own thoughts and, you know, don't try to just be a yes man to your coaches, but on the same side, you know, you technically you work for this person, right? Like, yeah, yeah, we don't have jobs and you don't, you know, clock in every day, but like your quarterback coach, your head coach is your boss. So they need you to be a certain way. That's what you have to do. Right. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So I, I think the biggest thing too, is having somebody away from the team and away from football that you can complain to, or, you know, talk positively with, but, you know, I don't like the coaches making me do this, but I know that I have to do this. Okay, well, then who's a person that you can call and vent to and talk to and, you know, maybe realize like, wow, that's actually not that big of a deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, we try to try to get the kids to understand, you know, like I just said, you, you can you can be your own person. But if you're choosing to try to be a big time quarterback, there's a certain path you need to at least be on. Right. So. so to wrap all this up, what what's your top advice to these young players? Not just quarterbacks, but what 
What's your top advice to get them as far as they can go? What do they need to do? Man, one, I don't know if I would just have one piece of advice. That's all right. We have time. We'll lay it all out. Yeah, well, I think picking who your influences are is a big deal. Not being around, um, you know, you can have friends and stuff, but if you're not around this a group of people that are going to uplift you or push you or support what you're doing, um, yeah, you know, I don't think it's ever going to happen. Or if you have people constantly calling you out or questioning you for, you know, eat, sleeping, and training, well, then I don't really need that person in my life. Um, you know, like for me, and this is like not a huge deal at all in my eyes, but I kind of have like lost some friends over this is I've never had alcohol before and no real crazy reason as to why I just never really wanted to be associated with the scene that that was because I was kind of doing my own thing. You never had a drink? No, never. Okay. That's, that's so, and my point with that is just, um, and, and there's, I don't like, a, there was nothing traumatic that happened or like, I'm never going to do this. And, just but it was just, choice. yeah, just kind of like, this is what I want to do. I don't really want to be with that crowd. And it was more at a younger age, right? Right. Like kind of when that stuff's starting to happen. Yeah. And I just kind of made the decision Then you know, you blink and I'm 24 and it's like, well, I'm not going to start now. And then you just kind of never do. But I think who you surround yourself with, who's in your circle is so big. Um, especially like in those teenage years, you know, cause you can be influenced so easily. Yeah. You can miss a workout and just be like, screw it. I'll be there tomorrow. But you know, you need people that support you. Um, and I don't really mean from a parent's perspective, you know, hopefully like everybody's parents support them. Right. But from a, from a peer perspective, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, especially I think, young, it's so easy to get pulled in a wrong direction. Yeah. Even it's, if it's not long-term wrong, but yeah, no, I mean, and you just need friends that like, and again, I didn't have any friends that worked out at 4am with me, but I had a lot of friends that were successful. So you guys don't have to be on the same page, right? Right. Like one of my best friends since I was four years old, he's him and his wife are my neighbors. Now we hardly ever worked out together, like lifting ever, but he made it to the NFL too. You know, everyone has different stuff, but you know, you just need that circle of people that understand like, Oh, this guy's on this plan. Well, sport, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's huge. And then, yeah, I think, I, I think from a quarterback's perspective, I'll kind of speak on older quarterbacks, like seniors getting ready to go to colleges. Um, one of, I think one of the most overlooked things is everybody wants to go to like the big powerhouse school and they want to do all that. You want to go to a place if your goal is to go to the NFL, go to a place where you're going to play, you know, three to four years, two to four years. Like, where can I go? And I know if I just do what I'm supposed to do, I will play and be a starter here. Um, you know, because in, when it comes to that draft time, the NFL time, they're going to take the guy from North Dakota State that started for four years and has, you know, 70% completion percentages and X amount of yards and touchdown interception ratio and over, you know, eight out of 10 games is a win, right? Over yeah. the kid that started for one year at Clemson had an okay year, right? So I think from younger perspective, your circle you run with, and from an older perspective, you know. Yeah, your advice you just gave was amazing. It was, uh, you know, I was, I'm glad you said it because yeah. I was expecting, uh, well, man, they, they've got to hit the weights hard. Or I don't know. I wasn't, I didn't have any yeah. necessarily answers in my head I thought you were going to say, but I think what you did give is perfect 
and probably much deeper and better than any advice to these young players really need to listen to what you just yeah. said. Yeah. It's so important to stay in the right direction, stay, stay in your lane. Yeah. Stay on the right path and just make good choices. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think as far as like the weight training and the throwing, that's stuff that should just be, um, you know, if you really want, if you have goals that you want to achieve, that's stuff that no one should even have to ask you to do and stuff that you shouldn't have to be like, well, if I do this, you know, that's just, that's like your life, right? Like yeah. you don't think about brushing your teeth and you don't think about eating, you know, right? just what you do. So if you want to do that, working out and training, uh, you know, throwing is, that's just what you do. So, but yeah, that, I think as far as the, you know, your inner circle and who you keep around you and the decisions you make when your parents aren't there and the, the decisions you make on your own, that's the stuff that can make or break you. I, I think so. I think you're hundred percent right. And I want to thank you so much for coming on today yeah. and hearing you go into your self-reflection on, you know, things you wish you would have done different and the advice you want to give these young, young players. I hope you get all the success you deserve. And yeah, no, thanks for having me. So. Definitely, uh, kids, you get get over to Ferguson Athletics, and he's going to steer you in the right direction. Yeah, no, appreciate you. Thank, Thank you so, so much, absolutely. Man.